history lives on through the stories we tell. I'm Peter, and this is Who Died Today, the podcast that explores the lives of famous individuals on the day they passed away. Today we're delving into the extraordinary life of Mohammed Rez Pahlavi, the Shah of Iran, a leader who led Iran through one of the most turbulent and transformative periods of its history. Today marks the 43rd anniversary of his death. So without any further ado, let's dive into the extraordinary early life of Mohammad Rez Pahlavi. Mohammad Reza Pahlavi was born into a wealthy and powerful family in Tehran, Iran, on October 26th of 1919. His father, Reza Shah Pahlavi, was the founder of the Pahlavi dynasty and the first Shah of Iran. His mother, Taj ul Maluk, was a woman of Azerbaijani origin. Interestingly enough, he also has a twin sister. Mohammad Reza had a privileged upbringing. He was educated at some of the best schools in Iran and Switzerland. He began his education at the Alavi School in Tehran, which was a prestigious private school for the children of Iranian elite. He was also sent to Switzerland to attend La Rose, a boarding school in 1931. He was only 11 at the time. La Rose is one of the most expensive and exclusive schools in the world, and it's located in rural Switzerland. It is attended by the children of the wealthy and the powerful from all over the world. Mohammed Reza Pahlavi spent five years at La Rose. There he studied math, science, history, and foreign languages. He also played sports including football, polo, and skiing. He was a good student and ended up graduating in 1936. While in Switzerland, Mohammed was exposed to Western culture and ideas. He also learned to speak French, English, and German. This exposure to the West would later influence his policies as the Shah. After graduating from Le Rose, he enrolled at the Military Academy in Tehran in 1936. He was 17 at the time. The Military Academy was a prestigious institution that trained future officers of the Iranian army. Mohammed spent two years in the military academy, and he graduated from it in 1938 with the rank of a second lieutenant. He was assigned to the Imperial Guard, which was the personal bodyguard of the Shah, or his father. He served in the Imperial Guard for two years, and during this time he saw firsthand the workings of the Iranian government and the challenges facing the country. He also developed close relationships with senior military officers who would later become his advisors. In 1941, Mohammed's father was forced to abdicate the throne by the British and Soviet forces during World War II. He then ascended the throne at the age of 22. Reza Shah Pahlavi had been a controversial figure. He had modernized Iran, but he had also been authoritarian and really repressive to the people. The British and the Soviets forced him to abdicate because they feared that he was too close to the Axis powers during World War II. As the new Shah, Muhammad faced a power vacuum and struggled to establish his authority in a country that is, was still honestly occupied by foreign forces. The Allies' influence loomed large, and decisions made by foreign governments often outweighed the Shah's wishes. This limitation on his power fueled frustration among Iranians who yearned for a genuine sovereignty. While the Shah did attempt to assert his authority and steer Iran towards independence, his efforts were met with resistance from various political factions and religious leaders. Each had their own agendas and visions for the country, and the political climate was really polarized. 
The Shah's attempts at asserting control were pretty much frequently thwarted during this time period. In his early years as Shah, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi was faced with a number of challenges. The country was still recovering from the Second World War, and there was widespread poverty and a lot of illiteracy. The Shah had to contend with growing power of the Iranian clergy, who were opposed to his secular reforms. There were also two assassination attempts on his life during this time. One of the most significant challenges during the early years of the Shah's reign came in 1951 with the rise of Prime Minister Mohammad Mogadesh. Mogadesh was a popular and charismatic figure and a fervent nationalist who sought to reclaim Iran's sovereignty over its vast oil reserves. At the time, Iran's oil industry was dominated by the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company, a British-owned company. This held a virtual monopoly on the country's oil production and basically kept all the profits. Mozadegh's nationalist fervor resonated with a large portion of the Iranian population who felt pretty exploited by foreign powers. In a bold move, he proposed the nationalization of Iran's oil industry, aiming to place the country's oil resources back under the control of Iranians. This decision received overwhelming support from the public and political factions alike. However, the nationalization of the oil industry drew the ire of Britain, which saw its interests threatened. In response, Britain imposed a crippling economic blockade on Iran, aiming to pressure the country into reversing its nationalization. The situation further complicated Iran's political landscape, and the Shah found himself torn between supporting his prime minister's nationalist aspirations and managing the fallout of Britain's wrath. The Shah initially tried to just maintain a neutral stance, not directly opposing Mossadegh's policies, but not actively supporting them. However, the political pressure from various factions, including those aligned with Britain, grew and the Shah's role became increasingly uncertain. In a last-ditch effort to maintain stability and appease foreign powers, the Shah attempted to dismiss Mogadek from his position. However, this move only intensified the political crisis, leading to mass demonstrations and civil unrest. The Shah's efforts to assert his authority were met with strong opposition, and political turmoil reached a critical juncture. In the face of mounting pressure and the threat of a British intervention, the Shah ultimately relented and reinstated Mogadish as prime minister. But the nationalist leader's position remained pretty precarious. In the aftermath of the oil nationalization crisis and the political turbulence surrounding Prime Minister Mogadish's leadership, the Shah of Iran sought to strengthen his authority and assert control over the country's direction. Collaborating with the United States Central Intelligence Agency, also known as the CIA, the Shah initiated a covert operation to remove Mogadish from power and paved the way for his own consolidation of authority. Operation Ajax, as the coup was codenamed, was orchestrated by the CIA and involved several Iranian military officials and political figures who opposed Mossadegh's leadership. The coup was launched in August of 1953, and it aimed to destabilize the prime minister's government and replace it with one that was more aligned with the Shah's interests and those of the Western powers, particularly the United States and Britain. The Shah played a pivotal role in the operation, providing support and legitimacy to the coup. He hoped 
that the removal of Mozadek, a prominent nationalist figure, would enable him to reassert his authority and weaken the influence of political rivals and religious leaders who opposed his rule. The coup proved to be successful and Mozadek was arrested. This effectively ended his political career. The Shah emerged as the undisputed leader of Iran, although the events of 1953 would leave a lasting impact on the nation's political consciousness and kind of fuel some anti-Western sentiments for years to come. With his authority strengthened, the Shah embarked on a period of ambitious reforms known as the White Revolution. These were launched in 1963, and it aimed to modernize Iran and address various social, economic, and political issues that had plagued the country for decades. As a part of the White Revolution, the Shah implemented a series of far-reaching reforms. One of the key aspects was a land reform program, which aimed to redistribute land from large landowners to the rural poor. This move was intended to address issues of land inequality and alleviate rural, rural poverty but it faced significant opposition from conservative elements in society, particularly religious leaders and traditional landowners who viewed the reforms as a threat to their privileges. The White Revolution also included measures to improve the status of women in Iranian society. Women were given the right to vote, and efforts were made to expand educational opportunities for them. However, traditional attitudes and cultural norms still presented significant challenges for women's full partition participation in public life. Furthermore, the Shah focused on industrialization and infrastructure development, with the goal of transforming Iran into a modern industrialized nation. Major projects such as construction of roads, railways, and dams were undertaken to stimulate economic growth and improve transportation and communication networks. The Shah's economic policies led to significant foreign investment, particularly from Western countries eager to tap into Iran's vast oil resources and emerging markets. Foreign experts and multinational corporations poured into the country, contributing to the growth of various industries including oil, petrochemicals, steel, and just general manufacturing. The result of these ambitious development projects was a rapid urbanization of Iran. Major cities experienced exponential population growth as the people of rural areas moved in search of employment and better opportunities. Tehran, the capital city, witnessed a particularly dramatic transformation, evolving into a modern metropolis with skyscrapers, highways, and modern amenities. The Shah also prioritized improvements in education and healthcare. He established an extensive network of schools and universities aiming to enhance literacy rates and develop a skilled workforce to meet the demands of a burgeoning economy. Healthcare facilities and services were expanded, leading to improved healthcare outcomes and increased life expectancy for many Iranians. Despite the significant economic growth and modernization, the Shah's ambitious plans also brought about challenges and criticisms. Income disparities widened, with the benefits of development disproportionately favoring urban elite and those connected to the ruling establishment. Many rural populations felt marginalized as development efforts primarily focused on urban areas, exacerbating the rural-urban divide. The rapid pace of reforms and the perceived erosion of traditional values created social tensions and contributed to polarization within Iranian society. Religious leaders and conservative elements criticized the Shah's modernization efforts, seeing them as a threat to Islamic traditional values. 
Ayatollah Khomeini, who would later play a central role in the upcoming Iranian revolution, emerged as a prominent critic of the Shah's policies, particularly regarding the role of religion in public life. Moreover, the Shah's regime faced mounting criticism for its handling of political dissent. As the country continued to rapidly modernize, discontent among various segments of society grew. Intellectuals, students, and political activists voiced their concerns about human rights abuses, political repression, and the lack of political freedoms. As the 1970s approached, the Shah's modernization efforts continued to shape Iran's trajectory. Economic growth and development were accompanied by social and political tensions, setting the stage for further challenges to the Shah's rule. The Shah's increasing authoritarianism and the use of the secret police, Savak, to suppress opposition and dissent added fuel to the fire of discontent. As the 70s progressed, the public frustration with the regime grew and calls for political reform and greater freedoms became more pronounced. The country's economic growth and modernization did not necessarily translate into improved living conditions for all Iranians. The income gap widened and while urban elite prospered, many ordinary citizens faced economic hardships. The perception of corruption and nepotism within the ruling elite further eroded public trust in the government. By the 1970s, a sense of disillusionment and anger against the Shah's rule had reached a boiling point. Mass protests and strikes erupted across the country, bringing together various groups united in their discontent with the regime. The Shah's attempts to suppress dissent through force only fueled public outrage and strengthened the resolve of the opposition. The year 1978 saw the eruption of widespread protests and demonstrations across Iran. These were fueled by a diverse range of opposition groups united in their demand for an end to the Shah's authoritarian rule. The protests marked the beginning of the Iranian Revolution, a momentous and transformative event the revolution gained momentum rapidly as the year progressed, with the Shah's authority being challenged on multiple fronts. Public discontent was fueled by a combination of factors, including political repression, economic hardships, allegations of corruption within the government, and opposition to the Shah's close ties to Western powers, particularly the United States. Protests and strikes spread throughout the country, encompassing a wide cross-section of society, including students, intellectuals, workers, and religious leaders. The opposition found a powerful voice in Ayatollah Khomeini, who, despite being in exile, emerged as a central figure in the revolution. Khomeini's fiery sermons and calls for an Islamic republic resonated with many Iranians who sought an alternative to the Shah's authoritarian rule. His messages were disseminated through cassette tapes and underground networks, galvanizing support for the revolution and uniting various opposition factors under a common goal. As the situation escalated, though, the Shah attempted to quell the uprising, both through concessions and force. He dismissed his last prime minister and appointed a military government in a bid to appease the protesters. However, it was too late and the revolution had reached a point of no return. In January of 1979, facing mounting pressure and growing public dissent, the Shah's authority crumbled rapidly. In a dramatic turn of events, he fled Iran in self-imposed exile, seeking refuge in Egypt. The departure of the Shah marked the end of the Pahlavi dynasty, which had ruled Iran for nearly four decades. In October of 1979, the Shah traveled to the United States for medical treatment. 
The decision sparked outrage among Iranian revolutionaries and resulted in the storming of the U.S. Embassy in Tehran on November 4th of 1979. Militant students seized the embassy and took 52 Americans hostage, demanding the Shah's return to Iran to face trial for his alleged crimes during his regime. The hostage crisis, which lasted 444 days, further strained relations between Iran and the United States. Amidst escalating tensions, the U.S. government refused to hand over the Shah, citing humanitarian grounds due to his health condition. Nevertheless, his presence in the United States became a major source of friction between the two nations and a rallying point for anti-American sentiments in Iran. During his exile, the Shah continued to battle cancer and his health continued to decline. As his condition worsened, the search for a country willing to provide him with medical care became increasingly difficult. Eventually, the Shah was accepted into Egypt for treatment. On July 27th of 1980, the Shah died at the age of 60 in Cairo, Egypt. His death came amidst ongoing tensions between Iran and the United States, and the circumstances surrounding his final days and his treatment in exile were subject to controversy. After the Shah's death, his body was temporarily interned in a mausoleum in Cairo. However, his final resting place became a point of contention between Iran and Egypt. The Iranian government demanded the return of the Shah's remains to Iran for a proper Islamic burial, while Egypt did resist, fearing that such a move could escalate the tensions. The Shah's death marked the end of a tumultuous and transformative era in Iranian history. The Islamic Republic of Iran, established after the revolution, remained steadfast in its stance against the Shah's re regime and the perceived Western influence that had characterized his rule. The Shah's legacy continued to shape Iranian politics and the country's relationship with the international community. Despite his death, the Shah's memory continued to be a subject of controversy in Iran. Supporters of the Islamic Republic considered him a symbol of the oppression of Western powers and interference, while others viewed him as a progressive modernizer who sought to transform Iran into a prosperous nation. Over the years, the Iranian government has consistently demanded the return of the Shah's remains, and the issue has been a point of tension in Iran-Egypt relations. The Shah's final resting place remains a matter of significance to many Iranians, and continues to influence the country's politics and relations with other nations. And that brings us to the end of today's episode on Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, the Shah of Iran. He was a leader whose influence over Iran helped shape the country and make it into what it is today, but someone who the country themselves doesn't really look at too fondly. He's also who died today, July 27th. Additionally, if you enjoyed today's episode and want a visual of what these individuals look like, please follow our Instagram, who period died period today. Lastly, make sure to rate us wherever you are listening. Join us next time on Who Died Today as we explore the life of another remarkable individual who made a lasting and indelible mark on history. I'm your host, Peter, and thank you for listening.